Well, we move past the US CPI number, and despite some hawkish repricing at the front end of the US bond market and the US dollar finding its mojo again, we're seeing equity market resilience as junk stock take us higher. We focus on all these factors and more in the trade-off. Well, hi, I'm Chris Wesson, Head of Research here at Pepperstone, and I'll be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics, and we're going to be discussing all the landmines, all the factors that are going on in this crazy world of financial markets. I'm going to bring the great man straight into the programme, Mr. Blake Morrow. When you're not looking at balloons in the back garden at the moment, I guess you're probably looking at markets which are fairly sanguine. I want to say if I look at implied measures of volatility, whether it's in the VIX, whether I'm looking one month euro dollar vol, gold vols at the moment, both realised and implied they're at the bottom of their 12-month range at the moment. So, yeah, whilst there's a lot of fear and, and, and concern out there, yeah, we are seeing implied levels of volatility and statistical levels of volatility is pretty, pretty low. Are, are you feeling that kind of sanguine attitude in markets at the moment? I am. I, I feel like the market's kind of sleeping at the wheel right now. We, we're in a really tight range. Volatility has kind of dropped off. And, you know, it's interesting, Chris, when you have – these pieces of data, these data points, like the strong jobs number, the, the the higher than expected CPI number, the market just kind of brushes them off. You you know, you start to wonder, does the market even care about this data? And one of the things that I've learned over the years is it, the market doesn't care until it does. And then when it does, it all matters. And everybody's going to point their finger at the stronger jobs data, the CPI data. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is, I think you need to be be very careful of falling asleep at the wheel right now when the market seems very sanguine, as you pointed out. I, I think the market has the opportunity uh, to to really you know take off and 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 find some direction here in the next. Well, couple I'd of love trading. to say I'd love to be, I'd love to buy some volatility right now. Never short a dull market, as they say. I think we're going to start seeing a higher volatility coming through. But right now, I think options are playing a big part here. Everyone's been focused on, you know, these, these um, you know, at the money or, or should we say uh, the, the zero DTE, uh, you know, the daily expiries effectively. There's so much of that going on there. It's suppressing volatility and it's pushing risk higher. So I think that's a big factor. Anyway, I want to talk about all these factors with your beautiful mind, Blake. Let's go into Tropical Thunder. Okay, I want to start with the, with the US dollar. I know the, the front end of the US bond market is, is kind of where it's at at the moment. We've been focused on the rates market and, and the terminal pricing. We're currently trading just... Uh, the, the, the market feels very strongly that the, 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 the Fed funds pricing is going to be sort of that 525, 550 range. But, you know, you've seen that two-year Treasury um, yeah, moving up from what four about four just over four back four hundred basis points four oh three I think it got to on the second of February uh, and we got to a recent high of four sixty nine so we put on what sixty six basis points in in nine days effectively of yield in the front end fives also went for the move and that's really propelled the US dollar higher so I think positioning still fairly light in US dollars I don't I don't think it's overly rich. Um, but the US dollar now is 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 really driving things, um, and, and it's yeah, obviously impacting gold. It's not impacting equities as much as I probably thought it would do. Uh, I would think equities, and we can talk about that, the, the fact that the discount rate's been moving higher, real rates have had a, a little bit of a move up, and the dollar's been moving up. I would have thought that the, the, yeah, the NASDAQ, for example, would have been hit, but it hasn't. So that's an interesting one. But the dollar now is looking pretty good. We're seeing good buys against the. I think you've got to keep an eye on that yuan as well. Dollar's really moving up quite nicely against the Chinese yuan, against the yen. Um, yeah, we're seeing core shorts now in 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 cable. Euro dollars had a little bit of a 
move lower. So the, the dollar's found a bit of form based on what we're seeing in the front end of the yield curve and, and, and the repricing there. How are you seeing it? Short term, um, I'm getting a gun to your head, Blake. Are you? Uh, uh, what's your view? Bullish, bearish? I'm bullish, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking my book a little bit today with with my talk dollar. Talk it up, talk it up, talk it up. I will be talking it. I, you know, and I've been I've been establishing some dollar positions over the last few days, even ahead of the CPI data, and and you know holding onto it over the last few days. But what we're starting to see is we're starting to see the dollar really break out against certain currencies. Uh, you know, the euro 106.50. I think it's really key support. It might even get taken on uh, sometime uh, in your time zone uh, here in Asia. But I think the 106.50 level is really key. That big double top uh, that, that uh, you know, I, I know we've discussed it on a few different occasions here. The other trade-off shows discuss it. The, the big double top and the sterlings uh, starting to shape up. You look at the Kiwi, the Kiwi broke an ascending channel uh, today in North American trade and it closed below there. So, and then obviously the dollar yen's breaking out. The Swissy is just very close to breaking out. And, you know, when you have all these dollar pairs are all starting to get in line, all facing the same direction, that's a really big warning if you are bearish the dollar. If you're bearish the dollar and you start to see these breakouts really take hold and mature, um, you could really get a cascading dollar event uh, higher. And that could bring the euro back down towards the 102, 103 level. I think think there's so much going on, though. I mean, I just want to interrupt. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, we had this really... um, Europe was looking better. That's been priced in. China has obviously had the reopening, and that's seen some really good signs in in, in, you know, in some of the activity data in China. It's obviously benefits you know the Aussie and and, and some of the, the proxies there. But the data in the US has been really strong recently. I mean, everyone's getting a job. It seems yeah, job openings very strong. You know, non farms obviously going nuts. Um, you got three month annualized inflation at the moment. Uh, running at 4.6%. Uh, yeah, that was three-month annualised, was at 3.1% last month. So it's, you know, that's moving up. You know, you saw the, the, the New York Empire fa- manufacturing numbers last night, really good retail sales. So the US economy is in a pretty good spot, and and, and that's in- incentivizing dollar long. So I, I share the idea. Keep an eye on that dollar CNH. I think that's really, really integral. It gets, doesn't get a look in from retail. I think that's really, really important for that, that dollar. If that keeps going up, I think the dollar keeps going up as well. And that's a it's a good point because a lot of the people that I trade around and a lot of people in my 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 world, if you will, are North American traders. We don't focus so much on the U.S. dollar CNH because most of us can't trade it. Um, so I'm I'm glad you brought that up. You know, the next topic I really want to bring up is something you you've been brushing on is the move that we're seeing in the bond market. But it's not just the U.S. Treasury market. It's not just yields in the U.S. Um, but you're starting to see you know you you see that the the boons are moving lower. You're, you're just seeing like you know, yields creep up higher across the board. And I, I wonder, you know, you get in this situation where you're seeing the bond market move lower. At what point do do traders start looking at that move in the bond market and really start, you know, pulling money out of equities? You got equities that are elevated. Start pulling money out of equities to get them in a more fixed income type of uh, investment vehicles. I mean, how do you think that this move in the bond market is really going to affect, you know, stocks moving forward? Because I think we're getting close to that inflection point. We are. What mate, are your yeah. thoughts here, Chris? Well, this is. I mean, look, you know, when you when you go to when you sort of theoretically trained in equities, you you look at these things called the equity risk premium, the ERP, which is looking at the premium people are demanding to to be in equities over bonds, um, and really we're looking at the earnings yield. 
um, in, in the S&P, for example. Uh, and then we're looking at that relative to the risk-free rate. Now, traditionally, you would use the 10-year treasury. Uh, I would actually use the 10-year real rate because that's kind of the real cost of capital. Um, and you can see that that, that equity risk premium is the lowest since 2007. So it doesn't really give you that, that appetite to go out and buy equities based on the earnings yield that you're getting in, in the market. And that's some, traditionally what a lot of people would use as, uh, as to, to define that asset allocation between the two. But you know, right now, uh, equities are going up in the US on growth. They're going up on junk. I mean, I don't want to say Tesla's a junk stock. It's not. But you know, it's breaking to new highs. It looks bloody good, right? Have a look at that yeah. for a trend-following system. And then you've also got a lot of the junk stocks, which are doing really well as well. So growth, um, tech, and, and junk have been pushing the market higher. And so a lot of people would say, that's just not sustainable when you've got the discount rate in bonds moving higher, which makes the cash flows of these non-producing cash flow companies. Well, tech obviously produces good cash flows. But traditionally, when the, when the bond market is going up, what you're doing then is you're, you're discounting these cash flows that, these, that, that you're assuming these companies are going to make and deriving a net present value for the company. And of course, that net present value is falling as the discount rate goes up. So yeah, when you're looking at equity risk premium, when you're looking at the discount rate, you would say that equity should be going down. What we're not seeing is that situation. People is going up. So that makes me a big sort of light bulb moment going, what's going on? And I think in this environment, for me, um, the classical theoretical things go out the window and you say, look, you know, think less, make more and just go along for the trend is my opinion here. Well, I don't think that's a, that's definitely worked. And that's something that maybe, you know, you just think less and, uh, and just go, you just forward, fast forward this video and get over to our setups and maybe that'll, 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 that'll do it <laughs> but for people you, right? are, People are, I mean, everyone's trading these, as I say, everyone's trading these, uh, the, yeah, these, these um, daily, daily options. They're about 40% of the options market at the moment and they're buying just out of the money and, and you know, it's just, it, you know, people, it, it's suppressing vol, dealers are having to hedge that by buying the underlying and that just keeps pushing up. So I think ultimately the options market is, everyone's saying, why is this doing it? Doing, but there's a lot of crazy stuff that's happening. And I think options markets, these zero DTEs, I think are, are largely responsible for what we're seeing as well. So yeah, so it's something that we're, we're sort of having to get to grips with there. So an interesting one. Anyway, I want to talk about the data in the, and, and we're focused on the US, of course, but it's a very US centric show today. So, uh, you know, we should, we should have um, a nice US flag in the back. Um, but that's the way we are. I mean, the US data right now is, is, is really, really essential to broad cross-asset moves that are taking place um, that affect volatility, that affects everything that's going on. I mean, we, we look at the US data, as I talked about, the New York Fed, Fed Empire numbers, great. Non-farm payroll is great. Job opening is great. Services ISM, great. Um, you know, we can go into payrolls. US CPI numbers, as I say, which has has muddied that sort of disinflationary narrative that the market's been running with. Uh, and I think that you, when, when core PC comes out uh, on the 25th of February, it'll probably be around 4.3, 4.4. And I think that you're going to see core PC stay around those kind of levels for a number of months at that point. But Blake, yeah, I, I've got some data in my head now. We talk about this low vol environment, low volatility environment. The market is data dependent. The Fed are data dependent. So we need this data now to, to, to spur some volatility back in the market. So yeah, looking through your crystal ball into the future, have you got some dates uh, and some, some, you know, some data that you've got in mind? Yeah, I've got New Zealand um, uh, uh, visitor arrivals that um, is really hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now what? I didn't expect, what? That. I didn't expect what? that one. All right, go uh, on. 
<laughs> Sorry. You know, um, actually, I, I'm going to talk about it here in a moment, but I, I think producer prices is going to be a big deal. The best one in New well, Zealand, though, the best one in New Zealand is the, the truckometer. Truck, one. The truck meter. Is that what it is? <laughs> that one's great. Oh, man, those are good. No, but look, I, I, I by the way, I love, I've always wanted to visit New Zealand, by the way. <laughs> so I wanted to add to it's that. It's one of the most beautiful places visit. in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, South no, I, I still think that I, I know I hate to, you know, wave the American flag here, but I, I do think the jobs data is going to be vitally important. So anything that has to do with job, with wages, I think you got to keep an eye on. I, 10th I, of March I, is the I, next payrolls number, 10th of March. And I thought it, you know, I knew it was going to be strong. I didn't think it was going to be as strong as it was. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I think, you know, it, it obviously caught everybody wrong-footed. Um, but, you know, I think inflation and jobs still is is key. Like next next week, I I'm, I'm really haven't been too focused on, like, Canada. But next Tuesday, I believe it's less than, less than a week from now, I'm going to be looking at the CPI data out of Canada. That's, that's going right. to be important. But I, I think we still have to really focus on jobs because – that's what is that 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 strong jobs picture is going to keep not only the Fed but other central banks engaged with higher rates, and until that yeah. changes. But how about you? No, exactly. I think you're right. Payrolls, tenth of March. Uh, you know, so there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a long time before the next big tier one data release, tenth tenth of March. So, yeah, that to me suggests that markets could grind a little bit higher as in this low vol environment until we start thinking about that. The next CPI print is actually four days later on the 14th of March. If I look at forward implied levels of daily volatility on the S&P, that's the big one. It's trading around 31%. Uh, so that's the one that the market is, is buying volatility over. And I think that's misplaced. I think that CPI number, given what we saw from from, from the CPI number this week, if we get another one that that, that three-month annualised rate continues to go higher um, and goods inflation has actually started creeping up for the first time since September, you know, I think that that, that that terminal rate could push a little bit higher. And I think that's where things get a bit real. So, yeah, we don't have a lot of data now until the 10th of March. Certainly Canada, and you can go into regional ones, but the, the, the US, which drives the world, 10th of March and then the 14th of March. So it's a bit of a way away, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, we're probably in a bit of a yeah. holding pattern until then. We are. But, you know, will we be in that much of a holding pattern? Because uh, let's turn to our, our, our last uh, topic here. I want to talk about producer prices. And I, I, there's a few questions I actually have for you, Chris, um, being you, you're more of the macro beautiful mind uh, that we like to hear from. Beautiful um, face. Producer beautiful prices, mind. Wouldn't, it be, <laughs> wouldn't it be interesting, everybody this week was really highly expecting the CPI data to be the market mover. Wouldn't it be very interesting to see Friday's producer prices be the market mover this week? And the reason why, the reason, well, I wanted to ask you this question Hmm. Regarding producer prices, you know, is it going to be important to you? A first of all, um, you know, th this is the you know at the pr production level. These are the this is the inflation that is passed on to the consumer. You know, where this where the where the consumer will actually feel it. You know, months from now is what the what the producers are feeling right now, and that data is going to be released on Friday morning in the U.S. And so. You know, are we going to be looking at the core number? Are we going to be looking at just the headline number? And is it going to matter to you? And and which came which comes first in your book? Is it the chicken or the egg, or is it producer prices first yeah. feeds into CPI later? What what are your thoughts? Yeah, so it, it is important because you know, you're right. There's 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 a margin issue here. So you know what the the producers are paying for, and then what they're ultimately passing on to the consumer. So there's a bit of a lag effect between the two. But you know, everybody, people do look at the difference between PPI and CPI, and then work out what the, uh, the that means for business profitability. So there is a stronger correlation between PPI and business profitability. Um, but that said, I mean, look, you know, the market's been pretty 
pretty sanguine around PPI for a long time. And whilst it has these big moves on CPI, it, it's quite reluctant to do too much on the PPI number. So I, I would, whilst I do think it's really important, not just for profitability, um, but it also feeds the, uh, into the PCE number. So this is the, um, the, the, the PCE inflation that the Fed obviously look at much more closely and set policy to over CPI. When, you, when you're coming out, why, why the market doesn't move on PCE inflation when that comes out? Because is what happens is we get the CPI component and then we get the PPI component and then we can model that to understand very, very effectively what the PCE is going to be. So no one's ever surprised. And, and so that's why the CPI number is always the volatility one. But we can't come up with a PCE um, outcome until we've got that PPI number. So that's why it's important because it would it'd give us really clear confirmation that the PCE number is probably on a core basis going to be around about 43 4.4%. Um, so that's why it's important. It's important because it tells us about business profitability. It's important because it helps us understand the PCE number, which the Fed set policy to. So that's where it is. But the market, unless you've got a, a really big blowout, I, I don't Outsized. think it's going to move too yeah. much. Yeah. So I think yeah, if it comes in only... line, if it comes in, yeah, misses by ten basis, but uh, yeah, a bit, a little bit to the upside or the downside, I don't think it's going to do too much. It's it's where the market gets very shocked on a wings sort of outcome. That, that we do. But it's important, as I say, for, for profitability, and it's important because it gives us like that PCE um, yeah, understanding, which, as I say, comes out on the 25th of February. And, and, Anyways, and, the, and, and again, the reason why I bring this up is, you know, we were shocked with the jobs report. We were shocked with the CPI, all both outsized numbers. Um, how about if producer prices gives us the same thing? Third time's a charm, Chris. Uh, any anything that kicks a kicks a bit of life back into this old dog, I'm, I'm very happy to see. To be honest, mate, I love a bit of vol like the next person. So uh, let's uh, yeah, let's hope we can get some of that. So PPI, if that's the thing that drives us, then 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 so be it. Happy days. Anyway, let's go into that setup. Let's look at some of the technical patterns we're looking at. I'm excited about your charts, Blake. You've been on a roll. You've been bringing out some uh, some big guns recently. Uh, I can see that already looking down at the... Uh, uh, which way is it? That way, that way. It's that way. You can have a look and you can see they're all very dollar-related. But that's where we are. That's kind of the world we're in at the moment. I'm going to go dolly-yen. Let's start dolly-yen. Um, why don't, I could have? I probably should have used dollar CNH, the, the offshore yuan, because it looks very similar. But what I like about this, obviously, you know, you've got these these channels which have been brewing in a lot of dollar pairs. I think you're probably going to bring up in dollar Swiss. Um, but dollar yen's been a really good play. If you want to trade the two-year treasury, which, as I say, has gone from 403 to 469, if you want to play terminal rates, then you're playing dollar yen, really. Now, we know that there's a new governor in town at the Bank of Japan. He's, he said that the, the current policy seems fitting, so there's not going to be this radical change in yield curve control anytime soon. So we we maintain this view that um, that the yen continues to be your primary funder if you want to go and buy buy carry effectively. Um, so your mexes, your Brazilian reals, uh, your dollars in this case. Uh, it looks good though. It's it's broken the channel. But what we're now doing is we're trending high. We're making higher highs and. You know, you can see that the three-day and the eight-day exponential moving average are, are aligned, and prices above that. So, yeah, can this get can it can it squeeze up to one thirty-six? Can it get to one thirty-seven? Uh, I, I think it's not going to go up there in one go, but I think that the balance of probability suggests that this goes higher. What do you think? Well, the one thirty-six, one thirty-seven level, actually closer to one thirty-seven, is the two hundred-day moving average, and it's also the thirty-eight percent retracement and. Ultimately, Chris, if if I if I look for trends, um, if I like like I look at you know the the dollar yen and it's peaked. Hang on, I, 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 I did draw that, I did draw the thirty eight point two percent retracement. Oh, there, you mate, could, so yeah, like, okay, I could barely see I, it, but yeah, so right of, up there, one thirty six. You probably have around one thirty six sixty somewhere around there. The yeah, two hundred day like moving that. average is right next to it, and that should offer some pretty good resistance. And if it can hold 
That means that you know a 38% retracement, shallow bounce, shallow bounce might actually lead us to new lows eventually because you know the BOJ new BO in and Ida and Uda and how do you pronounce his name? Yeah, I think Maybe? we'll go with that. We'll go with that. It's fine. Something like that. Okay. He he may say something right now, but when he's in the driver's seat, actions are going to speak louder than words. So I would be actually looking to sell into that level if we saw it. Yeah, cool. And I think the other thing is as well is is the bank of Japan, like the inflation data now matters. There are people out there close to who, who follow Japanese economics, make predictions on Japanese economics, who are saying that inflation, whilst it has moved up, you know, to about sort of what was it four percent or so, uh, is now peaking. Um, if that is challenged, then the next CPI number, the national CPI number comes out and it continues to move higher. That could make that the, the next couple of BOJ meetings very interesting, especially when Kuroda steps down on the 8th of April. Yeah, the new guy comes in town and inflation continues to move higher. That could be very, very, very interesting. We don't look at Bank of Japan meetings as much as we do ECB, uh, Fed meetings. But from April, I reckon the Bank of Japan meetings, especially if inflation keeps trending higher, is going to be where the money's going to be at. I think your time zone is going to be a lot more spicy in the next six months. Bring on the spice. Bring on the spice. Bring bring on the volatility, baby. All right, let's turn it over to the dollar Swiss. And um, this is actually a setup. And and I called it the Victorinox. I don't know if you know that the the Swiss brand, Swiss Army, changed their name to Victorinox in 1921. That's a little, you know, hopefully you guys get, uh, what's what's that game where you have to guess, like, no facts? Trivial Pursuit. There we go. Yeah, there's one for a trivial pursuit game. Uh, but the the dollar Swiss or the Victorian Ox, we can call it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was a setup for me looking for a move lower towards the lower end of the channel and looking to go Harry, long. Sorry, it's it, it, actually what? the pair called the Victorian Ox. Is, is that is actually no? It's thing. not. It, it's not. I'm just I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. <laughs> little, right, okay, go, little useless knowledge. I call yeah. it the Swissy, but yeah, I didn't want to yeah. say Swiss nice. I didn't want to say Swiss cheese. So I just said Victorinox. How about that? Um, now it, it's it's right up against channel resistance. I'm looking for a breakout above 93 and a breakout above 93 cents. If yields continue to rise, dollar yen continues to rally, euro breaks 106.50. I think the dollar Swiss is poised for a move higher. And yes, I am talking my book. Yes, I am long. However, when I look to add to new positions, I act just like they are non-existent and I'm just starting to a, a position. If that position looks like I would take that trade right now, even if I didn't have a position, that means it's a valid position for me to add to as long as it's within my portfolio or my my personal trading account risk parameters. So Chris, what do you think about the dollar Swiss here? I know you you like the dollar yen, but what about Well, the I think I think it's absolutely fine for you to talk your book. You're not trading a micro stock where you can move the market. You're talking about a 7 trillion dollar a day market to be honest. So uh, people yeah. like it I think when you actually got skin in the game and, and you're talking about those positions because if you lose they lose whatever, you know, that. So I think it's good, right? But again, I think um I am concerned about like, I I will put out that I'm concerned about um, buying the dollar based on on treasury moves because I think at the front end of the market has a, had a big repricing. I think it's oversold. Um, I think yields. Yeah, I'm not going to call the top in yields, but I think you know they, they've had a big big move and therefore you could see some consolidation. But the dollar positioning, I think, is where you get the extra kicker. Right, the world is not long of US dollars at the moment. We've had a, a nice move up, obviously, but uh, yeah, I think the market is still not structurally particularly long of US dollars. And as the US becomes a a a, a sort of more exceptional story, the economy 
is not having a hard landing or soft landing. Everyone's talking about no landing now. Um, but, you know, price is price, and that's what we trade. And, and if you get the breakout, um, yeah, a lot of breakouts obviously fail. That's why you have uh, in breakout strategies, yeah, often a, a sort of 40, 45% win rate. Um, but you've got to get the juice on those trades uh, when you do. So buy the breakout yep. for me. Cut it when it if, it if it's a failed breakout and let it run. That's what you're doing with dollar Swiss there, in my opinion. Anyway, I want to go to gold because obviously the, uh, the one of the marquee products, uh, at Pepperstone, you know, one of the ones that, that we see all the business in. Um, and you know, everything we was getting, we're very excited into 1950. But we've seen that massive blow off top, haven't we? It's been a you know a, a, a big move lower. And and I think if I look at my correlation matrix uh, and I look at the relationship. Um, both on an R2 basis, but also on a, on a correlation uh, basis as well. And, and I can see that when I look at things like real rates, two-year treasuries, five-year treasuries, the dollar, you know, all these kind of first derivatives and, and variables, you know, the, the one that, that's actually got the closest relationship to right now is the two-year treasury. So as yields are going up, um, gold prices are falling. Um, and gold's been falling in all currency terms. I know like after overnight we did see gold rally in sterling terms because sterling had a big move lower, um, but gold's falling in pretty much over the last five or six days in, in all currency terms. So that's it's a gold play. But it's also, of all those variables, real rates and everything, it's, it's, it's the two-year treasury which is having the biggest influence there. So the thing for me now is this is trending lower. You can see the moving average studies that, that, that are, you know, just sort of take the emotion out uh, are pretty well defined. It's, it's rallying into those short-term moving averages and selling off. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a seller of rallies at the moment. How are you playing this? Well, it, last week, you know, I said it's waving the white flag. That means gold was giving it up and, uh, and, 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 you know, calling a truce. And you can see it continues to sell off. You know, my, my, my flag pattern target actually takes us below 1800 towards like 1785, somewhere around there near the 200 day moving average. And look, I don't think it's going down there today or tomorrow, but I think we are going to trend down towards those levels. Um, but, but I, I like gold to the downside. I think selling rallies makes sense, especially while it's below like 1880, 1900 spot. I think while it's below there, you continue to play it to the short well, we, side. Uh, you, you put this out. I remember, I remember you instinctively now yeah. you, you put out the, the bear flag and we both said, you know, wait for the break. The break's happened now. This was a, you know, we yeah. had that ferocious sell off, as you can see that two day sell off. The, you know, you, you got the bear flag played as that's, that's now complete. So, you know, you'd be targeting you know, 1760 based on the, on that bear flag, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's well, I have it at 1780 something. Uh, oh, let me okay. look. It's actually 1783 based on yeah. my drawings. But that, you know, technical analysis is a lot like horseshoe and horseshoes and hand grenades. Go on. It, you know, <laughs> approximation <laughs> matters. So, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we get somewhere around there and, you know, you're complete, right? Oh, okay. So I like gold. I like it. I, I think it's a great setup, Chris, and and I like it to the short side. I think selling rallies is the way to go. Hey, you know, um, the, the next setup I want to bring you, uh, speaking of gold, uh, I'm going to bring you over to Dr. Copper and the Aussie dollar. You know, direct correlations we don't look at all the time, but I love it when they start to fall into place. And we're talking about dollar strength. We're talking about the yen. We're talking about the Swiss. You're talking about gold, which is the anti-dollar. You know, gold goes down, the dollar goes up. Copper is threatening. Copper is that 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 um, that that candlestick cha channel you see there. We're really, you know, getting very very close to support. And I'm I'm looking at that copper channel support coming in right around 398, somewhere around there. And if that breaks down and the Aussie 
starts breaking below the 6950 level. I'm I'm sorry, it's 60. Let me let me just make sure I got the, my numbers correct here. Uh 6850, we start breaking below 6850 in the Aussie. Then we got this head and shoulder pattern that that plays out. So I'm looking at this breakdown in copper, possible breakdown in Aussie, and we got a head and shoulder pattern. What are your thoughts here on the Aussie copper correlation and the way they're looking right now? Well, there's a few, isn't there? I mean, as your chart says, I think really short term, four ten, four dollars per pound in copper is your is your sort of range that you've established. If it breaks the downside, then there probably will be some downside. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the correlation with uh, the the reverse correlation with dollar yuan is is also there as well. So. As the the dollar's rallying against the yuan, you're seeing the dollar rally against the Australian dollar. So that's that's obviously one that you want to keep an eye on. You've also seen Chinese equity markets, um, you know, having about a ten percent correction from their recent highs as well. So some of the, yeah, you know, the euphoria around the, the reopening has come out of a lot of these, these these China proxies, and I think that's kind of where you've seen that Aussie weakening. And there was also saw um, RBA Governor Low yesterday coming out with some fairly hawkish, oh, so dovish comments relative to expectations, uh, and he's seen a little bit of. A little bit of heat coming out of terminal Aussie rates pricing as well. You know, he said that policy is restrictive and and other factors as well. So, yeah, I think that yeah, the, the technicals are true. If it, if it breaks the uptrend, if it breaks, if copper breaks four bucks, then then it's probably going to be some some tailwinds. And copper breaking four bucks will probably be a reflection of how people are feeling about the the whole sort of China situation as well. So, yeah, I think the Aussie goes along for the ride. Yeah, I think that correlation is a good one. So, yeah, I like the people love. You know the, the, that ability to overlay charts and trading view, and 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 to be able to see the relationships because relationships come and go, right? And um, you know, correlation, you, not causation, <laughs> or the other way around. Do you know what people love in trading view? The ability to trade through their trading accounts into trading view, and that's what Pepperstone does. I love it. Yeah, thanks, mate. And also, <laughs> uh, the trade off is there as well. So yeah, keep it going. Oh yeah. Anyway, let's go. Uh, let's go to play of the day. Let's see what's going on. Uh, last week I called Sterling CAD was 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 my play. That's t- that's come down quite nicely. Obviously the, the, the UK inflation numbers came out t- low, but we're, we're actually right on support now. If you bring up, you know, Sterling CAD, uh, you know, Sterling Swiss also looks pretty weak. Actually, cable is probably where the weakness is really being seen at the moment. We've got a bear flag there. So Sterling's your whipping boy at the moment. We've seen a bit of repricing, not for the March Bank of England meeting, but for the May meeting. That's going to be a really interesting one. So I'm just going on topic. My Swiss producer is about to chuck his hands in the air at the moment, like uh, Andre Rio. Um, but you're going to see, you're going to see a situation where that that May meeting's up for dispute. There's a 50 percent chance of another rate hike there. That's going to be pretty lively. So one to watch. But I've got the Nasdaq 100 here. Why have I got the Nasdaq 100? Uh, well, there you go. I mean, again, it comes into our idea. You've got the dollar strengthening. You've got you've got front end yields moving up. You've got real rates moving up. The Nasdaq should be going down, in my opinion. Um, but what we've seen is we've 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 seen market come back to that form of breakout. It's found support. It looks like it wants to break out again above that sort of twelve thousand nine hundred level. Now Tesla's looking pretty good at the moment, but I, you know for, for this to really work, we need Apple above one fifty six. That looks like it's pretty strong at the moment. Apple is showing good leadership. I'd like to see you know Microsoft push through two seventy five. Alphabet into a hundred bucks. Yeah, these are the sort of the leaders. If we get those doing what I do, and of course it's a big hypothetical. It's a big if. Um, yeah, the Nasdaq's going to continue trending higher, but everyone's saying right now that this market should be lower. You know, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Mike Wilson, all putting out bearish notes saying that the equity risk premium's too low to justify this, that valuations have become stretched. This is a bear market rally, but it's going up. And if these stocks continue to do what they do, then 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 I want to be part of that. And, and, I'll, and I'll take heed of their rationale 
which is why you listen to sell sides because it's their logic you're interested in. But if the market's going up, you know that that hurts if you're short. So this is a really interesting chart. I'm I'm a buyer of strength into this one. It's a, it, it's a strong and you can't deny it. So, um, you know, my, my setup or my, excuse me, by play of the day is going to be the Euro Kiwi. Now, before I go into this, I do need to mention the, the, the Nikkei rolling over from last week, which was my play of the day. It, it's actually about the same price that it was last week, but I think you got to keep an eye on it. I don't think anything's been invalidated as of yet. That downtrend line still holding, but I want to talk about the Euro Kiwi because I am a buyer this week, above 171 on a breakout, it's a wedge play. It's above the 618 retracement, but there's a caveat. I do want to be out before next Wednesday, which is going to be the RBNZ meeting, uh, which will be Wednesday morning. It'd be Tuesday night for us in North America, but but in New Zealand, it would be Wednesday morning. Um, but I think this is a breakout. It's a nice setup. I love it when we have higher higher lows and consistent highs. That means it's a wedge. It's building pressure to break out to the upside. So again, I'm looking for a daily close above 171. Then I'm going to be looking for a move up to 173, which would be the 100, or excuse me, the 78% retracement of that entire drop. So I'm yeah. looking to play a breakout, and I'm looking to play it hopefully this week. Yeah, keep up that economic calendar because if you're going to see the uh, yeah the, the milk auctions and the truckometer and and the visitor numbers, then uh, you might want to just look at those exposures and just make sure that you're not overly exposed, over leveraged, and over positioned over those numbers there as well. But I agree, the RBNZ will be a volatility event, or it could be a volatility, or has the potential to be a volatility event. So I like the way that you're you're looking at that one and you're buying strength in in what looks like a really nice sort of wedge there. So good one, thank you as always, Mr. Blake Morrow, for joining us, and also to you guys out there and girls. Uh, for, for watching and staying on this far. We really appreciate it. Give us a like if you can, and also leave your comments. We get loads of good comments and uh, love to hear how you guys are trading the market and seeing the world. So we'll be back next week for more of The Trade-Off.